he was probably in his late 30s, early 40s, and was participating in a pre-field training program where I was recently teaching on language acquisition. He raised his hand a bit hesitantly and asked this probing question, am I too old to learn a language? I'm Mary Lynn Kinberg, and welcome once again to Language on Purpose. In today's episode, let's take a stab at that man's question. Bouncing around in the land of second language acquisition, there's this thing called CPH. CPH stands for Critical Period Hypothesis. The upshot of the CPH is this. You basically have a sweet spot when it comes to learning languages. According to the textbook definition, CPH states that there is a limited developmental period during which it is possible to acquire a language to normal native-like levels, whether it be your first language or a second language. Once this window of golden opportunity passes, the ability to learn language declines. The basic belief is that that boat sails somewhere around puberty. Well, isn't that just wonderful news? If puberty is the critical age cutoff, then I think most of us have missed that boat. I certainly don't by any means claim to be an expert on this subject. But honestly, the critical hypothesis theory is a research can of worms. Arguments ping pong back and forth from different sides and angles of that complicated question of age. You might enjoy Googling CPH yourself and looking at some of the more recent research, but whatever the debate, to be academically fair, I think CPH does have a point that language learning ability, at least to some degree, does decline with age. So we won't totally throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you do consider yourself an older language learner at whatever age, for whatever reason, listen up. Please don't be moping around with a chip on your shoulder and a pity party attitude of, I can't, I'm too old, sigh. In general, age has its advantages. Hey, I should know I get cheap senior drinks at McDonald's and discounted movie tickets. Don't think for a minute that you're the only language learner out there with challenges. Okay, our challenges might look different as an older learner. I'll give you that. But everyone has to overcome obstacles. We all have a different set of cards going into language learning. Our personal backgrounds, degree of language learning experience, amount of training. We all have to then figure out how to play those cards right in order to do what we need to do to learn language well. Age is something you cannot change, but hello, think in terms of what you can change to make your learning more effective. Let me make just five suggestions here and see if they ring a bell and could possibly work for you in your context. And thanks to Colleen Hale from Wheaton's Institute for Cross-Cultural Training for helping me out here with a couple of her articles. Okay, let's get started with suggestion number one. Right off the bat, 
you probably need to accept the fact that it could very well take you longer to reach your proficiency level than it would have a few years back. Trying to assimilate some Vietnamese a few years ago, my brain felt like a sieve as opposed to when I was learning Quechua in my 20s. My coach friend Pam always says that any progress is progress, even if it is at a slower rate than you would like. So please reduce your young whippersnapper expectations of yourself. You can try biting off less new material to learn at a time and then buckle down with what I call an extra mentality. Extra time on individual tasks, extra practice, extra review, extra exposure. Let me say a bit more about extra exposure. How do we get that? For one, word climber flashcards can certainly help. In episode 20, I interviewed Peter, the genius behind word climber. Go listen and get the details. I'm also going to push the value of making recordings and then, of course, you have to listen to them. Duh. If you want more exposure and you live in an expat bubble, you may well need to burst it. Do you go to an international church in your native language? How often do you get together with your expat friends? You're especially vulnerable to this trap when you first arrive and are hungry for same-as-me friends. This may be a bit idealistic, but ask yourself this. Does your need slash desire to get things done quickly and efficiently in your new culture push you to rely on more experienced fellow expats? Once I coached some new arrivals who ended up relying almost exclusively on coworkers to hire workmen and purchase what was needed to set up their house and make improvements. Yeah, you could go home with screws instead of nails but the extra trips to the hardware store just might be worth the interactions with that guy behind the counter, however stumbling and awkward they may be, especially at the beginning. I know I'm preaching to the choir here again, but by prioritizing expats, you're obviously using the language a whole lot less. But even more importantly, you're missing out on building those significant sustaining relationships with local people that will happily root you in the culture. For more exposure, could you maybe use the bus or walk in order to rub shoulders with people instead of isolating yourself in your car? This might sound drastic, but worth thinking about. If you live in a single family unit, would you want to consider moving to an apartment complex where it would be easier to interact with neighbors? Is there an opportunity to live with a local family, even for a few weeks? When we were in Chile, we lived sometimes on the weekends with a local Mapuche family. Number two, be open to trying new to you language learning techniques and activities. Learning methods that may have worked for you previously might not be as effective. 
So why not try a multi-sensory approach to increase that working memory? We just mentioned Word Climber, where you can upload to a card both a picture and a recording, not just the word or phrase written out with the translation. Most of you know what total physical response is. If you feel too childish or awkward doing it, you get over it. TPR is valuable because it's comprehension-driven and, well, yeah, adds that physical modality. Number three. As an older learner, you've really got the upper hand here if we're talking in terms of what it takes overall to handle and navigate the whole language learning experience. You know yourself pretty well, right? What you need to do to keep healthy when enough is enough. Hey, you've already maneuvered through other difficult situations in your life and cultivated a fair amount of resilience and perseverance both of which are super important in language learning. But a couple of words to the wise here. If you did have an established career previously, you may be more susceptible to the infamous role deprivation syndrome. And don't forget that the level of stress you're encountering is really high. So please give yourself permission to get more rest and do it guilt-free. Stress affects everybody. You might want to go back and listen to a couple of episodes where I beat that drum. Episode 11, Rest for the Weary, and episode 18, Stress Less. Thanks again, Jeff Brake at Missionary Training International. Number four, step up to the plate of your language learning with a little engine attitude of, I think I can, I think I can. The fancy word for this is self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is defined by Madeline Ehrman as the belief that one can cope and succeed. Low self-efficacy leads to self-fulfilling prophecies. Ehrman goes on to say that students who perceive their own ability as low and who believe that ability is fixed, like some adult learners do, they then tend to limit their own achievements and buy into negative stereotypes, like too old. On the other hand, people with high self-efficacy put more effort into tasks and tend to be self-directing. And last but not least, number five. I just want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. Don't point to every hurdle as just being too old and too slow. Some hurdles are typical of almost every language learner, like getting stuck, hesitation to speak, comparison, lots of fear of not getting to the level of fluency required for your role. To help with these common hurdles, it wouldn't hurt to consider finding yourself a coach that's experienced in working with older learners like you. I'll go ahead and wrap up with this simple statement. Never, never, and I mean never, let me hear you say, I'm too old. But wait, don't leave until I tell you this blooper. The blooper was committed by some eager beaver workers from a well-known development agency. 
They had arrived in the itty-bitty Quechua village high in the Peruvian Andes where we were working. They came with this well-intended project in mind. They would build hotbeds that would grow vegetables the year-round in the cold but sunny weather. It was a great idea with a big payoff for the town residents. Now, I had found out the hard way that Quechua's loved sexual puns. So it wasn't that surprising when all over town people started joking about the camas calientes those development guys were constructing. They had made the mistake of literally translating hot beds so it came out in Spanish meaning beds that were hot. I think you know where that was going and can understand why the townspeople had such a good laugh over it. Moral to the story, watch out for literal translations that just might get you into big fat trouble. As we close here, another shout out to Colleen Hale. I'm Mary Lynn Kinderberg, and thanks for joining me on Language on Purpose. You can listen on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or always on our webpage, languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe or follow, and you won't miss an episode. Keep on keeping on, guys. Don't give up. <laughs>